Okay, thank you everybody for tuning in. We just have uh, Tzvi coming in now. We are continuing the Shi'or on uh, the Sidor. We are currently holding past most of the uh, fixed daily tefillot, and we moved on to other topics. And the topic we're in the middle of is Birkat HaMazon. We covered the first three brachot as well as an introduction. We introduced the history of Birkat HaMazon, and we studied the text of the first three brachot, namely Birkat HaZan, Birkat HaAretz, and what is known as Bonei Yerushalayim or Birkat Yerushalayim. So tonight we're going to continue with the next bracha known as Hatova HaMetiv, the fourth bracha of, of uh, Birkat HaMazon. Before we do that, I wanted to just add in some things that we missed from the last uh, shiur. Uh, two things I just forgot to mention was that, first of all, the bracha of, uh, I'll find this, the bracha that one would say if one forgot say. I forgot to mention this last week. The halacha is that if a person forgets to say uh, say on Shabbat, he has to say a special bracha. And that bracha is sourced in the Gemara, and which I actually didn't pull up, but I'll just read it here for you from the Sidor. It's not a commonly said bracha, but it happens to everybody. Why am I going to... Tzvi always helps me t- tell me exactly where Rekat HaMazon is in the Sidor. Otherwise, I never find it. Uh, here we go. After Abit of Shabbat, exactly. Um, here we go. Oh, they have every piz- oh, wonderful. They have every pizmon, but why would they have Birkat Hamazon? Okay, <laughs> here we go. Finally, Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech Haolam. Wait, where is it? They put it in the end. Oh. Interesting. Well, let me look at the Gemara instead. Here we go. Baruch Atah Hashem Elokim Alchem Shenatan Shabbatot L'Menuchah L'Amo Yisrael Be'Ahava Le'Ot V'Librit Baruch Atah Hashem Mekadesh HaShabbat So if anybody wants to know where this comes from, this comes from the Gemara on the Daf Memtet. This is, it's specifically, it says there, Rav Gidel was said this in the name of Rav. I'm sorry, Rav Gidel was in front of Rav Huna, and Rav Huna said this in front of Rav, from the, in the name of Rav. And he says this exact Nusach. From the fact that it quotes explicitly Rav as the authority who says this, it is. it seems that Rav was the one who composed this bracha exactly, and he would be responsible for this nusach. The Gemara itself doesn't actually use Shemu Malchut. It says, Baruch Shinatan Shabbatot Menucha, and then it says, Baruch Mikadesh Shabbat. Many Rishonim assume that that means that, that the bracha should be said with Shemu Malchut, and this is the reason why the Nusach exists as it is today. It is a very simple bracha mentioning Shabbat, that it is a menucha, that it was given to us by, by Hashem. This is called a very basic me'en ha And finally, it mentions that Shabbat is qualified as both an ot and a brit, which are both topics related, both uh, descriptions of Shabbat. Now, this Nusach hasn't changed, and uh, practically hasn't changed besides adding the Shemu Malchut in many years, and that's why... Uh, it doesn't deserve too much extra uh, attention. The other thing we forgot to mention 
was, and I think we should mention this a little bit more later, was that there is a a minhag brought in the Orchot Chaim to change the third bracha of Bonei Yushalayim, and we didn't mention this last week, in a Beit Avel. There were also minhagim to do this, I believe, on the Sudat of Saka before Tisha B'Av, where the, the, fourth, the third bracha of Bonei Yushalayim, we learned last week, uh, some began it began the bracha with Nachmenu instead of Rachem Hashem Elokeinu. This was an early minhag which didn't really persist throughout even the high Middle Ages, and this uh, this version here is a special version brought by I believe it's the Orchot Chaim might be the first place that has it. I have to just double check that, but. The nusach for this is first brought there, and it goes something like this: Nachem Hashem Elokeinu Tavelitzion VeTavelei Yushalayim VeTahavelim HaMetabelim BeEvel Hazef. I think the, if I have the Budurham here. The Budurham and Chelik Bet also brings this, I think, from his Seder of Amram. Nachamei Meavleim VeSamachem Yigonam Kamurk Ishasheri Moti Nachamenu Kena Nochi Anachemchem UYushalayim Tenu Chamu. And again, I won't I won't uh, translate all the Hebrew. This is again a very tragic. Uh, uh, style of the Rachem, and it asks specifically for Hashem to console the mourners that are present at this Birkat Hamazon, and this is only said by the mourners, and that it ends, Baruchat HaShem Menachem Tzion Ubone or Bone or Bivinyan Yushalayim. There's many different girsaot to this, and there's a discussion among the Rishonim quoted in the tour in Shin Ayin, uh, I believe it is Shin Ayin Chet, or Shin Ayin Tet, in Yoradea, about specifically if you should say Menachem Tzion Bivinyan Yushalayim or Menachem Tzion Ubone Yushalayim. Okay, two different versions, whether or not you should end with two or not, but this this is a an, not sourced in the Gemara, but very much a Minhag that goes really, really far back. I hope I can open it quickly enough, but I took my notes out of the right place. The Abu Durham has a very similar Nusach, which is said by... Um, most everybody today. I had the unfortunate opportunity to say this bracha once myself. Let me see here if I can find it quickly enough. Here we go. In the Abu Durhams it says, Nachim Hashem Elkeinu V'chulu. Hold up. Here. He finds... Right. He finds it in from Rav Paltoy Gaon. And he finds as follows: Nachem Hashem Elokeinu Tavelei Tzion Tavelei Yushalayim Tavelei Mishem Tavelei Beevel Zeh Nachamim Me'avlam B'Samachem Biyengonam. Also, Kakatuv, but he ends: Baruch Ata Hashem Menachem Leiv Ha'Avelim. Not Menachem Tzion B'Bonei Yushalayim, but Hashem should console the hearts of the Avelim. Meaning that you would close the bracha not with B'Bonei Yushalayim. You should change the topic completely. And end it with Menachem Lev Havelim. Fascinating thing. Seder of Amram he brings said Menachem Havelim Uvone Yushalayim, and others said Bivinyan Yushalayim. Okay, uh, this is very much warrants further study. There's a lot of um, missing, because Hilchot Avelut were never really uh, uh, an object of, of study for many people, therefore, a lot of the details as to uh, why and who exactly instituted this language. Uh, is lost. It seems to be something from the era of the Geonim. The language is very clear. Language is very early, and because there's such a variation in the eulogies of the bracha, we could expect that there was a that this minhag occurred, became uh, popularized 
in the, the time of the Geonim. Okay, let's move a little bit further to, now that we recapped a little bit from before, we'll be a little more prepared for the, uh, for the fourth bracha. So now let's begin with some background. The bracha is, Baruch Hashem, as far as we have it, let me read it from a Sfardi Sidur, sorry for the Ashkenazim, because it's a little bit different. Now, beginning with that is really nice. The issue is the way the Gemara calls this bracha is hatova hametiv. It doesn't call it hakel avinu malkeinu adirenu. It doesn't call it borenu golenu kadoshenu, and it doesn't call it hamelach hatova hametiv lakol. The Gemara calls this bracha hatova hametiv, which the Rishonim already took as, a, as an indicator that the original Nusach of the Bracha was Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam HaTova Metiv, period. That was the end of the Bracha. So what is that Bracha? Why would that have been the original uh, version of the Bracha? Of, of, and why, why would that have created uh, what came later? So the Bracha of HaTova Metiv in general is described in the Mishnah and Dafnun Dalit Amur Aleph and in the Gemara and Daf Nun Tet Amud Beit in Brachot, that in the event that one hears good news, al besurot tovot, if a person hears good news, a person has to say the bracha of hatova meitiv. This is a pretty well known halacha. More explicitly, and let me let me see if I can share my screen. I'm not sure if we can go through every aspect of this Gemara here, but more explicitly, the Gemara brings famously the example of of uh, having a baby boy. This is pretty well known. The Ashkenazim have a minhag today to, uh, let me hear a reading here, v'tnan al b'sorot tovot amabruch hatovah meitiv. This is the middle here of mem tet aleph. Famously, the Gemara brings the example of having a baby boy. What the Gemara comes out with is that the bracha, we say a bracha shechianu, which is a separate bracha, if something good happens to you and you alone. But if something is happening to you and to others as well, then you say brachava tova meitiv. And therefore, if a person has a baby boy, that is considered a great simcha to himself and to his wife. He's very happy as well as his wife. Therefore, he could say atova meitiv. Some of the Rishonim understood this bracha that the Gemara is prescribing to be obligatory, that you have to. If you have a baby boy, you have to say atova meitiv. Others saw it as merely optional. The, the Ramam and the Rif don't even bring the Gemara at all. It's quite likely that the original minhag was that if it made you that happy, you could say a tova metiv because you and your wife were rejoicing together. And in some societies, people have boys and they're happier. The Sfaradi minhag today, for complex reasons, eventually became only to say the brachav shachianu when, both when you have a boy or when you have a girl, at the uh, brit milah, you have, when you say shachianu, you have in mind to cover what you might have said if you, w- if you would have needed to say a tova metiv uh, when you heard that you had a baby boy. Again, that's a separate halachic discussion. When, when and why we say atova metiv. So another, uh, how do I say this? Another time that one has to say atova metiv, brought here in the Gemara, is in, an, in a case called shinuye hayayin. If the wine is changed out, what does that mean? That means if two people or more are having a suda together and they're drinking a specific wine and they already said a gefen, but somebody brings out a better wine, much better wine, Instead of saying hagefen on the new wine, you say hatova metiv. The Rishonim are perplexed by this halacha. 
what exactly is, why exactly is it so important to say a new bracha on wine? So one suggestion they give is that you would say a bracha on a shinuye yayin simply because the yayin is specially singled out in the Gemara Brachot in a few places that it's so'ed and sameach. It's unlike bread. Both it makes you joyous and it satiates a person and it makes him feel full. Therefore, because wine is special, if there's an area of the meal which you're enjoying with other people and at the same time you bring out extra wine which should technically kind of deserve a new bracha, therefore you say hatov ametiv. That is one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it, and the rush suggests this, is that perhaps saying this bracha of hatov ametiv for shinuye heyayin is directly related to the takanav saying hatov ametiv by berchat mazon, meaning that the institution of Hatova Metiv only was ever instituted for the Haruge Beitar, as we'll mention in a few minutes, for the, the, the miracle that happened in Beitar. And because the miracle of Beitar happened uh, and it had to do with blood, therefore we commemorate the miracle of Beitar over wine. And whenever there's better wine, we say Hatova Metiv because this is directly related to the miracle at Beitar, which Hatova Metiv commemorates. So that is so far, what is the bracha of Hatova Metiv? The bracha of Hatova Metiv, as it stands simply, is a bracha that a person says on Bisur Tovot. And specifically, the Gemara singles out cases like Shinuye Hayayin and Yelidat Haben. Those are specific cases where a person would say Hatova Metiv. The opposite of Hatova Metiv, obviously, is Dayan Haemet. Okay, so today we cho- don't, we, we, the post can say we don't just say brachot out of nowhere. And therefore, we don't say Hatova Metiv with Shemu Malchut. Uh, almost, almost ever. Now, if anyone's more curious about the um, uh, about the finer halachot about this, see the the tour in Reish Chav Bet and also in Kuf Ein Hey. So, fine. So now that we mentioned that Atova Meitiv is a bracha independent of the bracha of Atova Meitiv that you might be familiar with in Birkat Hamazon, now we should approach Birkat Hamazon. So that's some background. What is the source of the bracha for Atov Metiv in Birkat Hamazon? Let's see again the Gemara here in Brachot, Daf Memtet, Memchet Amudbet, and I hope we don't run out of time here, which we saw many times before, at least four or five times before. This is the assertion of Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman in the Brayta, in, in, a, in a Memra, says as follows. I'm sorry, I think I put my notes away by accident. Here we go. <clears throat> Rav Nachman says, Amr Rav Nachman, Moshe tikein l'Yisrael b'kart hazan b'shal she'erad l'amaman. Rav Nachman says that this is how the brachot of Birkat HaMazon were instituted. First, Moshe Rabbeinu instituted the bracha of Birkat HaZan when the man fell for B'nai Yisrael. Second of all, Yeshua was mitaken al habayit ha'gadol b'kadol, sorry, was mitaken, uh, I skipped a word, Birkat HaAretz, kivan shenichnesu la'aretz. David v'shlomo tiknu b'nei Yishlaim, David tiken al Yisrael ha'amecha l'shamirecha, v'shlomo tiken al habayit ha'gadol b'kadosh. So he's giving the sources for all the previous three brachot. Lastly, The fourth one was instituted by the rabbis in, in Yavne for the, for the Haruge Beitar. So what, who are the Haruge Beitar? This is famous, uh, a famous Gemara in Gitin, a Gemara in Sanhedrin, a Gemara in Tanit in Yerushalmi, that the, after the Churban Habayit in roughly the year 70 to the Common Era, after the destruction of the Temple, 
there was a Jewish resistance force which uh, was led by a man named Bar Kochba roughly 50 years later after the destruction, after the year 70. So roughly in the year 120 or so, um, uh, Bar Kochba began a resistance force to push the Roman, lead, the Roman power out of Eretz Yisrael proper. He had the support of some major Tanaim, like Rabbi Akiva at first, who believed that perhaps he could be the Mashiach. And Bar Kochba led a tremendous assault against the forces of, against the Roman forces. Eventually, for whatever complicated reasons, uh, Bar Kochba's uh, rebellion did not uh, succeed, and most of his forces were pushed back. And eventually, to make a long story short, his last stronghold was a city called Betar. In the Yushami, it actually calls it Betetar, like with two tufts, which might sound like uh, House of the Blade or something like that. It's not clear exactly where the name comes from. And there's various stories in, in the Gemara and Gitin and the Gemara and Sanhedrin exactly <clears throat> how, what happened, what was, what was the battle of Betar. And it's interesting, I'll show you here, I was looking this up on, uh, uh, in 1874, there was an archaeologist who went to Betar, he went all across Eretz Yisrael, and I wonder if I can, let me stop my share, let me go back here and open this up in 1874, and he found an inscription, a Roman inscription in Betar on the wall, which says here that it was the, uh, it was basically an inscription saying, uh, mentioning the 5th legion of Macedonia and the 11th legion of, the, of Claudia. The Claudian 11th legion and the 5th Macedonian legion, the two Roman legions which apparently surrounded Betar after uh, Bar Kokhba retreated there. So when the Romans came to Betar, they sieged, they laid siege on the city, and there's m multiple different stories about this. One of them goes, at least the one in Tanit, was that Bar Kokhba uh, had a misunderstanding and a dispute with somebody named, with a Tana named Ebliezer, and he kicked him and he killed him, and for that sin, the, the uh, city of Betar fell. There's other versions in Gitin as well. And the description is horrible in, in both, in, in, in all the Gemara, the description of the killing in Betar. The Gemara Nushami says that, that, they, uh, that the blood rose so, uh, rose so high up that it filled the nostrils of the horses. The, uh, they, they fertilized their fields for years with the blood of the dead. Uh, the, the Romans used it to build, uh, sorry, I think it was Hadrian, Used it to build, used the corpses to build walls around his around his vineyards, etc., etc. Very gory details about about the massacre there. Now the I believe it was uh, Hadrian did not allow as almost as a revenge for the siege. He did not allow the corpses to be to be buried. Rabbi Gamliel was sorry. Rabbi Gamliel. Was it Shimon ben Gamliel? Ben Gamliel ben Shimon. What he based? Let me see here. I'm thinking. Where did I just see that? I think it was Ben Gamliel. Um, used a lot of different, uh, whether it was prayer, whether it was bribes, a lot of different diplomatic strategies to finally allow the corpses years later to be buried. And what the Gemara here is saying in Talmud uh, Bavli, uh, when it describes the the nes it says hatov oto hayom shenitnu harugei betar lekfura tiknu biyavne hatova metiv. 
On that day when they were allowed to be buried in Beitar, they instituted in Yavne the bracha v'atov ha'metiv. Hatov shelo hisrichu v'hametiv shenetunu l'kvura. Hashem is the good that the bodies didn't rot, and ha'metiv, and that he is the benevolent, and the one who does good, that they were allowed to be buried. So that is the description of the Gemara in, in, uh, in Brachot. And this is why, according to the Gemara, the Bracha itself was instituted. Now, this is Rav Nachman's assertion that this episode, this tragedy, and the following miracle uh, created a situation that there, was a, that there was a miracle that needed to be commemorated, and Rav Gamliel decided to commemorate it with... Um, Rav Gamliel, I'm trying to remember... Rabbi Gamliel tried to commemorate it with the bracha by creating a bracha v'atova metiv, and therefore Birkat Hamazon contains in it a commemoration of the, this miracle that we should always remember it. But the problem is, already later in the daf, you have a machloket tanaim, you have a, a, a disagreement among tanaim 150 years after the fall of Betar, exactly why the bracha v'atova metiv was instituted. Was it a doraita, or was it uh, meaning, was it originally biblical, or was it only uh, instituted for the Harugei Beitar? So apparently something happened which caused a serious forgetting of the reason for the institution of the bracha. And already in the time of the Tanaim, they're disputing it. What is uh, confusing, and this is something that Louis Finkelstein pointed out in 1929, is that near lines, just a few lines later in the Gemara Brachot, you have... Rabbi Eliezer speaking about the fourth bracha of Birkat Hamazon. Rabbi Eliezer lived and died before the fall of Betar. So it is impossible for Rabbi Eliezer to have known about the fourth bracha of Birkat Hamazon if it was only instituted for the Haruge Betar. How is that possible? How could somebody who, didn't, who died before the Haruge Betar be, know about a fourth bracha of, 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 of Birkat Hamazon? Rabbi Yossi is also quoted in the Tosefta as having been one to choose to to, to make Hatova Metiv longer and even put a Hatima in it. He also, according to most authorities, died before the fall of Betar. So what exactly is going on, it's unclear. Uh, most likely, uh, there was some form of bracha that existed before the fall of Betar, and later it was instituted to be there was, there was some four, fourth bracha that, that existed, and later they decided to make it official with the Haruge Betar. That seems to be what might have happened. So the Maral actually puts it this way. He says that you, when you look at the Hatova Metiv, or you, or you think about why they would institute a bracha like this, he says it, it's, it's a classic, um, it's one of those classic episodes in Jewish history where you find that Hashem punishes the Jewish people, and, and in the, cruelest, the time of cruelest punishment, even in a time of tragedy like Betar, you still see a glimmer or a, you know, a, a glimmer in the cloud, so to speak. You still see uh, a, a ray of goodness throughout all the cruelty. And that shows you that in Midat Hadin, there is really a true tov. And that's why when they saw that they, this miracle, that the corpses of Betar didn't uh, decompose, that was when they realized that even deep in the Midat Hadin that Hashem did for Bnei Yisrael, even in the, in the strict judgment, there was a true benevolent God, that God doesn't punish without true benevolence, and this was their, their realization when they saw the Haruge Betar, not de, the, the, the dead of Betar not uh, decomposing, 
and therefore uh, that it was appropriate to make it, it was appropriately associated with the Haruge Beitar. So in, in Maral's view, they associated the Bracha Vatov Meitiv, which already existed, with the Haruge Beitar, and perhaps they embellished, they elaborated, elaborated it, or embellished it later. Okay. So now, again, why the Rishonim suggest a list of reasons, all different reasons, why this bracha specifically was chosen for uh, the Haruge Beitar? Why was it Hatova Metiv, Bisuro Tovot chosen? Why didn't they make one that explicitly mentions the tragedy? And furthermore, if you were going to commemorate the Haruge Beitar, the dead of Beitar, or the, the miracle at Beitar, why put it in Birkat Hamazon of all places? So Bihuta ben Yakar, who is the Rebbe of the Ramban, and the Abu Durham, based on the Yushalmi, they, be, they believe that the reason it was put next to, uh, next to Birkat Hamazon was because typically Birkat Hamazon is accompanied by a coast of Yain. And furthermore, we know that there's a separate halachav of saying Hatova Metiv for Shinuya Yayin, for better wine, and because the blood of the Haruge Beitar is remembered with wine, and they fertilized their vineyards with the, the blood of the Haruge Beitar, they thought you could associate Hatova Metiv with the Haruge Beitar, and that would be a good mental association. Very interesting. Um, secondly, the Abu Durham suggests perhaps a Suda is a time of Simcha, and therefore you would put a miracle, a bracha to commemorate a Simcha, uh, a bracha to commemorate a miracle with sim- of simcha in a time when people are happier, which is when they just ate. That's another suggestion. The manhig suggests, based on an, based on the assumption of the rishonim that originally the bracha's words were simply a tova metiv, he suggests that originally it was very short. The bracha was just hatov, was just bracha Hashem lekenu hatova metiv, and so because it was such a short bracha, the chachamim were afraid that it would get completely forgotten. Therefore, they appended it to a longer set of brachot, which was Birkat HaMazon, which is very pre- a little bit of a more uh, practical idea. Further, he suggests, and this is, might be a little bit more from left field, he says maybe the first time the bracha was ever said was by the Si'udat Havra'ah for the dead of Betar, meaning this is a famous thing that we make after people are after people pass away. There is a, a Shiva, the, the first part of the Shiva is the Suda, where they do a meal for the mourners, and this is after they're buried. So he says, perhaps after the Sudat Havra'ah for the Haruge Beitar, that was the first time the Chachamim said the Bracha Vatova Metiv. It's an interesting suggestion. The Ra'an Brachot also has a very practical approach. He says, perhaps because Brachat Amazon no, is designed as Hoda'ah, we put it in the Brachot of Hoda'ah. Unlike Shmona Esrei, where it's designed mostly to contain bakashan, petition, Berkat Amazon was far more uh, designed to contain thanks and thanksgiving. Therefore, they put it in a set of brachot, which is both Doraita and contains thanksgiving. So if you believe it's Dirabanan, that's why they chose to put it there. Okay, furthermore, the Kolbo says that the last bracha of Berkat Amazon is Bone Yerushalayim, so it would just make the most sense to append it to a bracha speaking about building Yerushalayim. The Rokeach and the Tur say something a lot more morbid. The Rokeach and the Tur suggest that perhaps when a person eats, and this is the Tur in the Balaturim, by the way, in Parashat Ekev, not, not, in, the, not in the actual, uh, not in the, the Sefer Abraturim. 
He says that, like the Rakeach, that when a person eats and he gets satiated, and afterwards we say, right? When a person gets satiated, it is more likely for a person to rebel. When populations are are wealthy and independent, they become more arrogant. And therefore, when the, the rabbis understood that if a person is satiated, he might be more rebellious. And therefore, they put a bracha which commemorates death in order to remind the person that he is going to die one day. And that was the reason for pending at the Birkat Amazon. Again, it's a little bit from left field. I'm not sure exactly how that, 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 that attachment is made. But uh, that is what both the Torah and the Rokeach say. That the, Rokeach, the Torah was aware and clearly had, uh, had access to the Rokeach's writings on Tefillah or the Hasidic Ashkenazi. He, he had those writings, so most likely he was just bringing it straight from there. Now, finally and lastly, we can discuss the, the Nusach. Okay, so as I said, the, as I said, the original Nusach was most likely simply Hatova Metiv and it was embellished afterward. When was it embellished? Most likely it began in the time of the early Amoraim and then continued until the time of the Geonim. If we look at the early Geonic versions, like the Seder of Sadia, you'll see a very short version which has very little to do with what we have today. Let me pull up here on my screen. Uh, okay, let's see if I could share it quickly enough because my mouse pointer is being funny. Let's read the Nusach of Sadia, probably one of the more early versions that we can have, that we can look at together. The Nusach of Sadia is as follows. Period. That's the entire bracha. Now he has these very elemental items, where it begins Hakel, our father, our king, our creator, our redeemer, Hamelech Hatov, the, our king, the good, Vehametiv. Hamelech Hatov, Vehametiv. Right? It, it does say the words Hatov, Vehametiv. Now, he is careful, like the Gemara says specifically on Memtetamud Aleph, to mention that Hashem is the king of the world three times. Melech Haolam, Malkenu, so, for technical reasons that I'm not sure we're going to have time to cover now, the Gemara of Memtetum Amud Aleph dictates that we have to. I'm sorry, let me stop the screen share. Dictates that we have to say Melech three times in uh, the bracha of Hatov Ametiv. This is to compensate for the 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 mel, the, the Malchut which was omitted in the previous two brachot. So, based on that. These early Nuschaot, already in the time of the Geonim, always will contain three times a mention that Hashem is a Melech. But the real catalyst for the Nuschaot, the, the, the rites and the, um, the versions that we're familiar with today, come from a Midrash. So let me just review here. The earliest versions that you'll, that you'll find of Atova Metiv are far more simple than what we have today. Today, you're going to look in a Sidor, and it has three times Malchiot, three times Gimulot, uh, and three times Hatavot. This comes 
from the rush in the in the end of brachot. The rush, the, well, he's at least the earliest one to quote it. The let me let me just pull up. Let me bring out a sidor so I'm not so confused. The rush brings a midrash, which is mysterious because we don't have it anywhere. But he's the earliest one to quote it. That the hatova metiv has to contain three times tov, three times melech, and three times uh, uh, gimulot. So today, the for example, the, the language is uh, we have hu hetiv lanu, hu metiv lanu, hu yetiv lanu, and then you have hu gimalanu, hu gomlenu, hu yigmalenu laad. So prior to the to the the tour and the rush, many nuschaot didn't contain these additions, and they simply did not have these thrice times gemulot, thrice times hatavot. And I'll just read you some examples here, from let's say for example, uh, the Geniza, the Cairo Geniza, would have a version as follows: You have Baruch Hashem Achalam. This represents a Yushami version. Avinu Malkenu Hatov Hametiv Asher Bekolyom Vyom Hu Metiv Imanu Hugmalanu Huyigmalenu Huyigmalenu La Adchen Vhes Rever Hamim Hotov. You'll have the Rambam, right? Hakelavinu Malkenu Adrenu Borenu, Kidoshenu Kidosh Yakov, Hamelech Bekolyom Vyom, Hu Hate Hu Metiv Lanu Hugomlenu Khen Vhes Rachamim Vikotov. And you have Rav Amram, who similarly says uh, again, bizarrely, in Seder of Amram, you have this. But Golenu Adivenu Yotzenu Adon Nishmatenu, the Lord of our souls, Kedushenu Kedosh Yaakov. Very strange language. It's most likely, if you ask me, that that version of Ramram is probably a copyist edition. But I, I just don't expect the kind of language in Ramram. That is the language, and oh, I forgot I could share my screen. That is the language of the Seder Ravamram, just, just as an example. And here, let's say I can move a little down on my screen and show you guys the languages that I'm referring to. It would probably be a little bit easier to follow. Sorry, I was reading from my own paper. We could have done this together. If anyone's interested, this is in Louis Finkelstein's article called Birkat Amazon, page 259. Here we go. Uh, here we go. And here we go. All right. So you have Amram here on the right, Rambam on the left. Now, as you move a little further into the history, after the era of the Gonim, on here on the next page, you're going to have the early Spanish version, you're going to have the Greek version in the middle, and you're going to have the Western European version. So here we go. This is the Sephardic version. Fascinating that they adopted this. This is one of the earlier versions of them adopting this halacha quoted by the Rush. That for some reason, and this is again, there's no, there's no explanation for this. Just like we have three malchuts, we should also have three gimulot and three hatavot. For some reason, it does, it's not clear why. This is just a mysterious midrash, but this is the earliest time we see this adoption. And then you have furthermore here in the um, the, the the Greek version, they add some interesting, uh, uh, let's call it uh, descriptions of Hashem. You have Malkenu Machasenu, our hope, right? Adirenu Borenu Golenu. That's similar to Ramam. Hu Meitivimanu, Hu Yetivacharitenu, Hu Gomlenu, Hu Yigmlenu, Hu Atidle Gomlenu Laad. 
va'ed probably chayim chayin v'chesed v'ever achmim mechotov, and that's when you see the that's when you start seeing the influence of the Rosh and the Tor in these later versions. Uh, typically, again, as we saw previously, the Greek versions of of of, uh, of Birkat Hamazon uh, are a little bit more uh, a little bit more embellished than than other versions. I'll just move a little bit down here. Here you have a more current Sephardic version on the right side, and the Persian version here on the left side, which is what is that? This is in some versions they have a chai. Hamelech, which should not contain there. He puts an exclamation point because there should be no Hamelech there. Haslacha could be Haslacha Vikoltov. Beautiful. So these are the these are probably six of the main what did we probably probably cover nine? Nine of the main early versions of Birkatamazon. From these manuscripts, uh, the printers borrowed, especially here for this for the Sephardic. You'll have this one on the right side, the later Spanish version, got adopted very much by the, by the Sephardi versions. And uh, you'll have the Western European here on the left side, the Sidor Eitz Chaim, which very much influenced the Ashkenazi versions. Now, the modern versions contain these embellishments that we have since the time of the Gonim. We don't know precisely when they were added. If it began with Hatov Metiv and was later embellished, then... If by the time of, of the of the Geniza text you're already seeing uh, descriptions like like uh, what do we got Avinu Akino Atova Metiva Imanu that sounds like that it was already an early Amoraic time that the embellishments began and in the time of the Gonim it started to to finally uh, canonize and formulate. So what we have today is a result of multiple different minhagim finally making their ways and fighting their ways into the printing press. The printers typically would, would, would uh, how do you say it, would print what was most popular, what would sell the best, and therefore there were a lot of different varying versions of Atova Metiv. Uh, I'm not sure if we could, we could actually uh, pinpoint significance to every single variation because a lot, most of the topics are the same, but let, let's just read together the Sephardic version and we'll get the gist of it before we go. Baruch Hakel Avinu, right? Our father, our king. Adirenu, our sovereign. Borenu, our creator. Goalenu, our redeemer. Kedoshenu, the our holy one. Kedosh Yaakov, who is who is uh, the the holy one of Yaakov. Roenu Israel, our shepherd, the shepherd of Klai Israel. Hamelech Lakol, the king who is good and who does good for all. Shibekol Yom Vayom, who Lanu, that in every day he does good to us. He will do good to us. I'm sorry, he did good to us. He does good to us. And he will do good to us, right? Past, present, and future. The Rishonim, some of the Rishonim prefer this language. Some prefer other languages. But typically, they seem to settle on, let's do a past, present, and future if we're going to follow this Midrash. He was bountiful with us. He is bountiful with us. And he will forever be bountiful with us. What what will he be? Grace, kindness, mercy, relief, salvation, and all good. And again, those last ten different descriptions varied very greatly beyond uh, throughout the Nusrat. But one thing you're going to notice, uh, let's let's mention two things. First of all, you're going to notice that the bracha starts with Baruch Hashem and it doesn't end with Baruch Hashem, even though it's long. So why is that? So the Gemara already in Brachot from Tetam on the top. Um, asks, why doesn't it start with Baruch Hashem? So it says, well, 
if you if you believe that it's the Rabbanan, it makes perfect sense. Because if it's the Rabbanan, it was added later, and so it wouldn't follow the previous abrachot of Birkat HaMazon. It was just instituted later. But if it was a bracha smucha lechaverta, it was originally instituted as part of Birkat HaMazon, then it would follow and it would begin uh, without... It would begin without Abruchat HaShem. It must be a raya to the, 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 those who hold that it was an institution of, of the rabbis. So it's already noticed then, in the time of the Gemara, that it began with Abruchat HaShem. Uh, if you hold this the raita, it's a little bit shver, but it's not, 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 not the end of the world. Now, furthermore, the bracha doesn't end with a chatima. So the Tamid Rabbein Yonah ask, why is that? Why does the Gemara, why does the, if it's a long bracha, why doesn't it end with a chatima? So they give two reasons. Number one, they say, it's not a matbeah aruch. It is not halachically a long bracha, because originally it was a short bracha. It started out as simply hatova metiv. So if it started out as simply hatova metiv, uh, that's not called a mat, matbeah aruch. And a matbeah aruch, like a longer bracha, typically like Ashayatzar or something long, gets a bruchat Hashem at the end. It gets a eulogy. But over here, there is no, uh, it is, wasn't originally a long bracha, so it never received the uh, privilege of a eulogy. Then they bring a more dochik, they also bring a more like stretched uh, reason a little bit from the French Rishonim. And they say that they uh, believe that it's still considered a matbeah katzer because all the descriptions of Hashem are trying to describe the same thing, and therefore it still gets the halacha of, I'm sorry, it still gets the status of a, of a matbeah katzer. Okay, so with that, I believe we are mostly complete, we have completed the bracha v'atov at least a, at least we've covered maybe 70% of the material that we could cover on hatov I hope next week to continue with Birkat HaOreach, which is very much connected to many of the Harachamans that follow the Birkat HaMazon. And Bezrat Hashem, we'll, we'll get through all of the Harachamans. If we can do all the Harachamans next week, we will. If not, we will only cover Birkat HaOreach. So thank you everybody for your endurance and attention, and we will see you all next week. So let me just add here one last thing. And that is, as we mentioned earlier in the shiur, that there's a special version of the third bracha for Birkat Avelim. The Gemara in Brachot Achmem Vavamud Beit says explicitly that the, that the fourth bracha should be amended for Avelim. And this is why, uh, if you look here in the art scroll, the Svaradi version, uh, page 1000 or 1001, they'll have the version which the Gemara stipulates. The Budurham also has this. There's a Machoket Rishonim exactly how to phrase it, whether or not you replace a Tovimitiv or not. The Beit Yosef discusses this. But already these, these descriptions and exactly what you should say is already sourced in the Gemara. It doesn't exactly say who, who wrote it. But this is, this, is the, this is exactly what you have today in the Sfaradi Sidurim. And then after you say the words Hatova Metiv, you are Yotzeh Hatova Metiv, and you go off on the tangent. Kel Emet, the, the true God. Shofet Bitzedek, who judges with righteousness. Lokeach Nefashot, who takes souls. Shalit Bolamola Sotbokirtsono. Some say, some versions, I believe, had Lokeach Nefashot bin Mishpat, Hashem who takes souls uh, with justice. Shalit Bolamola Sotbokirtsono, who reigns in his universe to do as, as his will. Vanachnu Amon, we are his his people, the Avadav and his servants. Va'alakol, and for all things, Anachnu Chayim Lahodotol Varcho, we have to praise him and, and thank him. 
Right, he the, may the repairer of breaches repair this breach from us from all the people with compassion. And that's the end of the the benching for the for the Avelim. So some of the Rishonim didn't like this language of lokeach nefashot mishpat because we know that sometimes the Gemara says that sometimes Hashem takes souls without mishpat. Sometimes, unfortunately, people uh, leave this world and there is no reason uh, as law as far as the um, in uh, mishpat, and there's no justice. Meaning, sometimes souls are taken from this world, and it is not clinically—sorry, not clinically—but it is not uh, effectively fair. And uh, therefore, uh, some there were different uschaot for this. But if anyone's interested, see the tour in Yerodea Shinayin Tet Shinayin Chet, which has this uh, a little bit more information here about about how to exactly structure the nusach. Of that specialized version of Hatova Metiv, but the, the the idea of it is, you just say the words Hatova Metiv, and then you take the Gemara's prescription on Memvavamudbeit, and you think you sort of uh, praise Hashem or or mention the Avelut that a person is going through. Let me see if I could find it here on the page. Here, yeah, the Gemara's lashon is Patachu Barich. I think this was Rav Ashi who who said it like this. This is something that that Rabbi Marzutra learns from Rav Ashi. That's it. That was that was the version that that, that Marzutra heard from Rav Ashi. It's not clear if Rav Ashi composed that himself. But this is the source for it, and um, that is the version that one can find if they are unfortunately sitting shiva. I'm, you know, a lot of these nuschot are very rare, and so a lot of people might read them once or twice in their life but not know where they're from. This is where it's from. It's from the Gemara Brachot of Memvavamudbeit, and it is first um, codified by the Rishonim for precisely what the wording should be. So that would be the end of this recording.